At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Today's podcast is brought to you by OnX, the original gangsters in the hunting mapping program. I run OnX on all my hunts, especially elk hunting. I run tracking. You can tilt, look at 3D. You can also drop waypoints, identify terrain features that are conducive to where elk bed. You can pull up satellite overlay, topographical, hybrid mode. You can download your maps offline so that you can access them when you need them most. They've just been in the game the longest. And so they've evolved. They're ahead of everybody else. And you can count on it and you can rely on it, which you will. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to take 20% off your elite membership with all the elite benefits, all 50 states, know where you stand. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Elk Shape uh, podcast. We are going to hang out with a guy I don't know yet, but we're going to get to know him together. His name's Andy. He shot me a compelling email that I was like... He just spoke to my heartstrings of all the things I love to talk about in one conversation. So today won't disappoint, guaranteed. Uh, but first, let's get to know Andy, myself included. Andy uh, Allen out of Salt Lake City. Where are you in Salt? Um, I'm assuming you're Salt Lake City, but maybe you're not. Yeah, I'm in Bluffdale. And Bluffdale's, okay. uh, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes south of downtown Salt Lake. And it's pretty rural here. It's like... Our, the, the logo of our city has a horse in it. So it's like everyone yeah. has horses. Yeah, so it's awesome. I mean, it's mostly acre lots and tons of people here hunt. Everyone's got their own little blue collar business. And anyways, it's a great place. Love it. That sounds cool. Yeah, I was in, I actually hunted Utah for the first time ever this year. I guess the closest town would have been Ogden, which I've Funny enough, I've hunted out of Ogden for mountain goats. I drew that tag in 16. I don't know how the hell I drew that uh, Willard Peak tag, but uh, never really hunted Utah. Like I've bought the uh, general deer tag several times and I just have just ate the tag. It just, you know, or for whatever reason, had, couldn't get down there. But I love Utah. I think it's one of the most diverse states as far as just you get a little bit of everything from north to south. What's your favorite part of Utah? I mean, I grew up, it's funny. I grew up here. Um, we're known for our skiing. I snowboarding. I, I snowboarded me and my friends like hundreds of times a year growing up. I mean, well, hundreds up, but probably about a hundred times a year. And so I, I love the mountains, but I, my dad's an accountant, you know, he's never hunted in his life. He's just, you know, just, I mean, he's great. He's awesome. He's great, great dad, but never got us into hunting. And then all of a sudden, you know, when I turn 25, 26, my brother tried so hard to get me into hunting. And I was just like, no, dude, that's just not for me. I'm not going to do it. He'd show me like meat eater videos. And I just thought, truthfully, I, I had the background of, I just thought that everybody, sorry, this is a roundabout answer to your question, but um, I just thought everybody that hunted was just a total douche, honestly. Like, it, like, it, like I, I was at the mentality, it's it's hard to believe now, but I was at the mentality, I'd, I'd watch them like celebrating over their kill. And I was just like, who are these crazy barbarians? You know, mm -hmm, and I just mm -hmm. had zero, I had, I had zero interest, even though my brother was like begging me to, to, you know, do this with them. And then I started going out with my brother-in-law and, um, I mean, yeah, it's 
the mountains, dude. Like I, I live like I live like uh you know an hour or two away from like some of the best spots in Utah. So I just I feel so lucky that I did I wasn't into hunting as a kid, but that like luckily I happen to live in like a perfect spot to be into hunting. You know what I mean? So I just totally mountains, dude. It's just I, I feel so lucky. And like I've been staring at these mountains in my backyard my whole life. And I didn't realize that they were full of animals, elk specifically, you know, I had no idea. So it's just, I, it's kind of embarrassing to say now, but whatever. I'm glad I'm here now. <laughs> yeah, you're here now. So how old are you, Andy? I'm 36. 36 years young. So you've only been hunting for five or six years? Yep. <clears throat> yeah. And I would say, it's funny, like, I, I bet you can relate to this. If And I'd be curious what how you feel about your version of this but the first year i went out hunting muzzleloader with my brother-in-law and he was just dragging me along i mean the dude, he's in way better shape than me way more motivation than me and i was just like ready to quit every second and then you know we we had our first stock which is like first stock on a group of elk like my heart was as everyone knows just pounding through my chest like I mean, it was just the coolest thing ever, the adrenaline rush. And it was just like a group of cows. I think there were some small bulls in there. We only had a cow tag, but it was still like the coolest thing ever. And then the next year I got my, uh, you know, I got my first elk with that same tag, muzzleloader cow tag, but we'd, we'd stocked in like 20 yards. It was like, I think, I think that, uh, you know, God knew that I needed a layup for my first elk and the wind was just perfect and we and it was cool too it was just like because there's no way i could have pulled off like a difficult thing i mean wind was just perfect we got into 20 yards and um it was just amazing and but i'd say that was like level one hooked on hunting it was like yeah. looking back now i was like i was only sort of hooked on hunting after that experience and i think it was last year was the first time i was just like Wanted to hunt so bad. I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go out with my bow. I went out by myself. I mean, I brought my camper. It's not like I was like backpacking in the wilderness, but went out by myself. You know, here we can hunt, um, you know, limited entry units as long as we're hunting cows and spikes, which is I'm not I'm no elitist. You know, like I just love encounters and I get I just I get such a rush out of getting close to any elk. I went out last year by myself. And I think that's when I really, really started to just like love hunting. And that's when I got to an obsessed level. That's like when I started finding you online and, you know, like resonating with your podcast and a bunch of other content online. And, but last year I'll, I'll I'll not bore everybody, but um, I, I found a spot that the elk were frequenting and I was having the hardest time stalking in. I was blowing, I'd blown like five or six stalks. I just, I'm sure like you could have done it, but I just, I couldn't have done it. I just, I wasn't making it happen. So I finally got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm just going to sit this spot where I've seen elk frequenting and like another layup, <clears throat> except for I just, these account and cap just walked right past me, except for I was too big of an idiot to cow call and stop them so okay so i just uh this is so stupid and i'm embarrassed but i shot an arrow at an elk, at elk that were moving right and i just yeah. completely yeah. i com- i completely missed which was probably a good thing given that it wasn't going to be a good shot so i'm like looking for my arrow and then i get this feeling and i know it sounds silly but i get this feeling it's like there's no elk in sight but i get this feeling to knock another arrow <laughs> So I knock another arrow. I get it. I knock another arrow. This does not end the way you hope it's going to end, but it was good for me. So anyway, so I knock another arrow. This elk, just a cow, comes screaming down the hill like a racehorse. And this time I was smart enough to cow crawl just with my mouth, you know. And it stops 20 yards. And I'm just like shaking like a stupid person. And I shoot, but too high and too far back and the elk the arrow totally went into the elk but no blood and it just i spent hours and hours looking for it but nothing but that Mm -hmm. that was the moment where i was just like 
holy crap. Like that just pissed me off so bad and just got me like, I've shot like thousands of arrows since then in my backyard. And I've just, and I'm still a rookie. I'm still not good, but man, that, that, that experience like lit the fire where I'm just like, you know, getting every single possible tag I can as many days off as I possibly can. And anyways, that's, that's my, that's kind of like my progression. I thought I was into elk hunting after shooting my first muzzleloader elk, but I wasn't really into elk hunting until I, until that happened. And that was last year. No, I feel that. I feel that. So that's kind of a good introduction. And, and on the topic of uh, hunting limited entry Utah and being able to shoot a spike or a cow, um, my home state of Washington does something ex- very similar where you can hunt our draw tags. They're limited, meaning they only pull a few tags, but you can hunt those units as well, but you can only shoot a true spike or a cow. So right. that doesn't, I mean, man, we send people to those places when they haven't gotten much elk hunting experience under their belt and they need to get elk encounters they need to hear bugling they need to see what elk do during the rut could not recommend that more and and utah especially is probably the best state for people that are interested in shooting just any elk and understanding that they want to get meat in the freezer it's not an ego thing and they want to learn as much as possible and experience the whole pack out and breaking down the animal and Oh man, Utah is the place to go for that. So is Washington and Washington, I don't think has a limit on tags and so, and they don't like sell out or whatever. So there's always an opportunity to go elk hunting. Even if it's really hard to get a tag, there is, uh, there's options for people, which is awesome. You wrote me an email, man. And you said in the very beginning, you saw me at TAC, but didn't say hi or whatever. Did, did were, were we within proximity or was this the Salt Lake TAC? I- it was funny. I was like, I was like, I, I'd never been to a tech before, and I'd I'd heard that there's like people I might recognize from like online, you know, that might be there. So I get, I bet I was like thinking specifically. I was like, oh, it'd be super sick to see the elk shit dude there. And uh, I mean, you're one of my favorite follows. And um, so I get out of my truck, and you, I think you must, you must have done that. Did you do the early, early morning uh, course? Yeah. Yeah, so you must have just been going, and I was just getting there. And yeah, dude, I was probably like, I mean, I was within bow range of you for sure. No, I was like twenty yards. <laughs> That's cool, dude. Yeah, you definitely say hi next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's probably like my one of my favorite deals about salt. Uh, any tack is like, honestly, just hanging out with fellow archery enthusiasts and bow hunters, and just kicking it with them. We're pretty real over here. Like, we're not. We we know that we're just pretty normal, dude. Like, and so generally don't like to put off a vibe that like uh, we think we're cool or whatever so yeah man like that's honestly one of my favorite things about tack is just meeting and hanging out with people it's just expanding your friend list it's pretty cool so tack's awesome not sure if i'm going to go to the salt lake one next year uh i was informed by my employer my wife that uh, she doesn't want me to waste any more summer days going to multiple tacks like summer's her time that's her elk season and I, she's in charge. So I'm going to probably just stick with the big sky one just cause it's, I don't know I, if I can only pick one, I'm going there. So makes sense. Uh, so this email dude, like here's why I was like, I'm getting Andy on. He sends me an email. I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of people who send out emails saying, Hey, I'd love to be a guest on your podcast, which is generally the fastest way not to be a guest on my podcast. But Yours was compelling because you kind of tugged at my heartstrings on all these things. Here's some of the highlights I want to discuss. You said your biggest hunting strengths are that you are obsessed. I relate to that. You are a sponge for information. I can also attest I am as well. You have almost unlimited days off with work because you are self-employed and an entrepreneur. Oh my gosh, people, we're going to get into that. And then even with five kids, which I thought you'd have more, I thought maybe you'd be like seven to 10, blonde haired, blue eyed, Mormon kids. I'm joking. But five kids, man, is a lot of human beings to put on your wife. So we're going to talk about the saint of a woman you've married. And then 
how to get pre-approved 25 hunting days from your wife before hunting season even started, like attacking the elephant in the room. So like, dude, you, you brought up your strengths are all the things that I want everyone to have strength in. And, and these aren't even the topics you wanted to talk about specifically, but I know that people are going to dig this information. So let's dig in. Are you ready? Yeah, dude. I love all this stuff. <laughs> okay. I, I just, man, you, you did it right. So how to go from zero to 25 days uncontested. That's the best adjective you could use days of hunting. And that is meaning uncontested first and foremost by your spouse because hunting is a very selfish pursuit. We'll get into it. And then also clearing it from your with your employer. So let's hear it, man. Let's dive in. Well, first, I mean, I'm, I appreciate you making the joke that you just made. I, I just really, really quick. I was in this group at TAC, and they were like, oh, you have five kids? Like, man, how does your wife do that? I was like, well, I have multiple wives. And it's just, it makes it really easy. And oh, just, my God! <laughs> and, and they went... They went, they went just silent. They were like, oh, cool. Like they were trying to be just like really chill. I was like, nah. and I let it go for a few minutes and I was like, oh, I'm just kidding, dude. I have one wife. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> Anyways, I, I think that's did. amazing. Like that's my humor for sure. And it was hilarious. I mean, you, God, that's clutch, man. And people, I got nothing. I like, those were all jokes. Like <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I got no, so I many know, friends in Salt Lake City. So many <laughs> yeah, friends. Dude. So anyways, yeah. No, good no. for you. Okay. Sorry. I had to throw that one in there. So, all right. So you were saying, how do we clear the days with wife with, and boss? Yes. Is that yes. Yes. So uh, let me first start by saying, like, I, I think about this all year long. I mean, it's like, I think that if elk had a super i mean everyone knows that an elk superpower is their nose but i would argue that like it's uh it's babes and bosses that right behind their nose the best asset that elk have are babes so our, our wives and our kids and that isn't to say there aren't female hunters that have husbands keeping them home i don't mean to be sexist here but babes and bosses and their nose that's what keeps elk alive i think that if people didn't have you know like stuff keeping them home and whether that's their job or their family, which obviously those have to be there. A lot more elk would die every year. So elk, elk love babes and elk love bosses, you know, cause well that's, said. That's, a, that's a huge, that is a huge uh, thing. I mean, it's like, and I'm sorry. I, I I'm totally, if I get off track, just tell me I'm off track and reel me back in. But, um, I just think that, uh, you know, it's like, uh, there's, there's so many people out there who are, who are have like, maybe I, I think of it this way. It's like for every five days I'm out there, I get a legit shot opportunity, right? I might screw it up, but for every five days, like I'm getting close, you know? Right. It's like, okay. And I, and I would argue that like everyone's got kind of their, uh, some sort of average like that. It's like maybe for you, it's every two days, but for me, it seems like it's every five days or something like that. And sure. Uh, and I just think it's like, well, that's pretty simple math. It's like, if you're out there more days, you're going to get more opportunities. And I just, I don't know. I've got, I've got friends close to me who it's like, um, <laughs> they're, they're just like killing it all year. Like, shooting their bow, buying camo, you know, doing all this stuff. But it's like, then they only hunt for five days. And I'm like, man. So anyway, so back, back to your question. I don't think that you're going to like, that you're going to figure out this stuff with your wife and your boss, unless you really, really freaking want to, because it's not, it's not the easiest pursuit, you know, to like organize your year professionally and with your family so that you can hunt more days. And so you've got to really, really want to do it. And for me, I think it was just understanding how figuring out my home life and my work life to get me more, more shot opportunities really is what it comes down to. When I saw how strong of a correlation that is, I was just like, that helped give me the motivation to figure it out. So, all right. So with my wife, once I realized that I, I determined to myself, I wanted to do 25 days this year and I wanted them to be uncontested and pre-approved and all that stuff. I just, you're going to laugh, but 
I made a, and I did make it humorous, but I made a PowerPoint presentation. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. But it was funny. So, so I just basically, I was like, look, here's the days off. I want these calendar days. Um, And then I just like wrote down my plan of how I was going to like not screw over my family in the process, you know? Yes. Um, And uh, so I, I, I have five kids, as you mentioned, and uh, I, I take them, uh, you know, I take them camping um, on average. I, I make it a day and a half a month. So it ends up being 18 days a year that I, I'm, a, I'm alone with my kids in the camper. And we're just, you know, we're usually fishing, catching crawdads, you know, taking hikes. Cool. That kind of stuff. And I mean that alone that alone a day and a half that gets my wife <laughs> that gives my wife 18 days. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm already most of the way there just with that. And then um but that that takes a lot of planning and dedication to make that happen with my kids. And uh and that, other than that, I just support her in her in her flower obsession because my wife just plants like thousands and thousands of flowers in our backyard every year. And I just oh, wow. let her do whatever else she wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. So gardening is definitely one of her things that she's passionate about. Also, moms just need breaks. They just, all they're asking for is just a couple, maybe a day or just even a few hours of like not hearing mom this or mom that. I mean, I can, I've, I totally feel that. And then just the fact that you're taking your kids outdoors, obviously that's tugs at my heartstrings. I love that. The gardening component is very similar to my wife. She's I mean, I don't even know how many hours she spends in the garden and it's like therapeutic for her from the very, like starting her seeds before it's even like really time to put them in the ground to researching. And then obviously all the, all the work that goes into having a garden and it doesn't suck to have really fresh food that you grew. You can definitely taste the difference, but um, yeah, understanding what, like what makes them tick. My wife has literally got a incredible uh, master bath remodel going on right now that she is doing with her brother. I have not lifted a finger on that. I don't even have, like, I don't know if people are going to believe me, but I literally don't make time. I don't have any time whatsoever to go down and do any part of that. And honestly, I have very little interest if I'm being honest, like, uh, any of my available time is dedicated to making content. And then if I get any free time, there's probably a camera still involved, but I'm shooting my bow and working out, which is like my two things I look forward to doing all day. And then obviously hanging out with my little ones, but understanding their passion, their version of elk hunting. We've talked about that multiple times on this platform and it's, I mean, you're doing that. And then to go back to what you said, cause you said, keep you on track. You said it, but I don't know if people caught it. Time is the number one killer when it comes to bow hunting. If I wanted it, to get done fast, I would shoot a rifle. And I'm not saying bow hunters are better than rifle hunters. I'm just saying bow hunting for me is more of a challenge for me. And it takes a lot more time, which is good because I want it to be hard. I don't want it to be, you know, pretty easy. Like tomorrow is opening day of elk for rifle in my home state. My dad's got a rifle tag. I got a pretty good feeling. I'm going to get a text by about 730 in the morning saying bull down. And I'm going to be helping them pack out. <clears throat> My dad spent damn near all of September bow hunting elk in Idaho. He never even got, pulled his bow back. Okay. Yeah. So, and he understands that's what he's signing up for. So if you're signing up to be a bow hunter, you really do need the time. And bro, it is for me included. Like there are, there are several days that go by where now I've elk hunted a long time. So I kind of have like this kind of not written, but it's just this rule where like, I need to be into elk every day or it's a fail. It's a total fail. And for me being in with elk, it's not seeing elk. It's like being a hundred yards or under with elk. And I need that. That's my formula to eventually punch a tag on an elk that I want to shoot. So you got to have encounters, especially if you're new to the game, you got to be into elk to learn all the mistakes. So time is number one killer. And then man, babes, bosses, and their nose is definitely your, it's the cock blocker. That's going to block you from uh, punching your elk tag. So well said. And then, you know, you mentioned 
how hunting, like how to fit hunting into your family, even with five kids, doing a PowerPoint presentation may be over the top, but maybe it's not. Because what it is, is it's opening the door for communication. And I begrudgingly, every year, next year will be no different. I go downstairs. We have an old school calendar on the wall. I grab it and I write down anytime I've secured a hunt, I put it on the calendar. And honestly, you'd think after being married to Alicia for 14 years and that I do this for work, quote unquote, that she would like be like, okay, cool. No, it's like, oh, it's like you're basically telling them, oh, hey, I'm adding more work to your already full plate. I'm going to be gone here. Right. And it's just like. It's not a fun conversation, but I'd rather have that conversation way before the season, way before so we can plan around it. And a lot of guys just, dude, I used to slip in my plans last minute (laughs) because I wanted to avoid that confrontation. I wanted to avoid that tough conversation. And now I just get it over with. I rip the bandaid off and, um, Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'll be honest, like as a husband, like my wife will tell me, like today's Friday. This is a perfect example, Andy. Like I know Alicia's already told me like what's all going on this weekend. Put a gun to my head right now. I could not tell you all the things she already like it's in one ear and out the other. I know there's like some birthday parties or something. I can't remember who, what, when, where, or why. And that's just me being honest as a dude. I'm not very good at remembering all her plans or whatever. So it is a universal truth. And it is it is what it is. Let's talk about don't let the tail wag the dog. In the end, hunting is the best lifestyle in the world. But when it comes down to it, we all have a spirit, conscious, or whatever you want to call it. And we all know deep down that our wife and kids are most important. Would you expand on that? Man, I actually forgot what I wrote in that message. Um, all right. So, I mean, I think elk hunting... I mean, let's say hunting in specific, but for me, I, I really have only hunted elk, but it's, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a, it's like more than a hobby. It ends up being like a, like a lifestyle for people, you know, it almost, it almost start, starts to step in as like a, almost like a religious pursuit. You know, I, I know it sounds funny, but it's like, people are obsessed, you know, and myself included, you're, you're obsessed. You know, it's like people have got their they they wear it in their clothes. They've got stickers on their trucks. And it's like, we think about it year round. And if you're not careful, it's like that obsessed thing is your best asset as a hunter, but it can, it can start to make things dicey at home if you're not careful, you know, cause it is, it's like, there's not that very many things that we can do as adults that are like, can consume you that much, you know, that the year round. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're just running in the fall, but it's like, it's super fun to, be into it year round. So it, it's got me thinking, it's like, I don't, I don't want to like be old and gray and like, or die and have my kids talk about me at my funeral. Like, yeah, like, you know, he was like kind of cool, but like, he was really just obsessed with helping elk. <laughs> Sorry about this cough. It's killing me. No worries. And uh, 
and yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's like, I, I, I noticed that I'd be like, I'd, I'd find myself being like, Oh, like I'm going to like do this stuff for my wife or for my kids so that I can go hunting. And I'm like, that's kind of like a cool place to start, you know, that like, it's, a, it's cool to have kind of like a, let's just say like a temporal motivation to help you figure out something that's like maybe a little bit more important than that. And let me like, <clears throat> I like to explain it this way, like humans, um, we're, we're motivated to action. There, there's a hierarchy of why we do things. And the lowest reason of why we do things is because we're afraid of getting punished. That's like the, that's like the dumbest, lowest reason to do something good is because if I don't do this, I'm going to get punished. The second dumbest reason, the middle reason is, well, I'm going to do this good thing because I want a reward. That'd be like, hey, I'm going to take my kids hunting or camping so that I can go hunting. And that's like, that's cool. It's better than but the best reason would be I'm going to take my kids camping because I love them and because I love my wife. Oh, and by the way, I guess hunting is like a cool byproduct. But for me, what is so cool about and dude, I, I get this. I've gotten this from you. Like you, you've helped shape me like massively <laughs> at the beginning of every podcast. You say we leverage elk hunting to become the best versions of ourselves. And like, that that's just so if you really dig into that i mean that's incredible and it's like i i'm like okay well i've kind of in the past i've kind of sucked at like you know being selfless with my wife and like actually getting crap off of her plate so i'm gonna take my kids camping right so it yes. started as this it started as this way to get hunting days and it's like great that's awesome it's like, even if it only, even if it just stayed like that forever, cool, whatever, it's better than nothing. But what it's become is, you know, you, you spent that much time with your kids and you're like, oh, like, this is actually awesome. Like, this is what I should have been doing anyways. Like, exactly. this is the kind of person, this is the kind of person I wanted to be anyways. I, I came, I was born just as selfish as the next guy. And um, it's like, I, I needed something that I loved as much as elk hunting to get me to like be better at the stuff that I'm terrible at. So, right. I'd say historically I've been, you know, like crappy at giving my wife, like the time off that she wants and needs from kids. It was like, because I love elk hunting as much as I do, it was like, you know, it seemed it was something that motivated me to do the things I sucked at. But by the way, did it, did it cut out for the, uh, I don't know if I, did you get the part where I was talking about um, the motivation for why we do stuff? Yes. Okay. All right. So, so anyways, it started out as just like, oh, I just want more elk hunting days, but it turned into like, well, this is what I want to, this is who I wanted to be anyways. You know, I, I, I want to be the, I think a good metaphor is, is like, you no, your wife doesn't want you to be like, well, he does all this nice stuff for me because he wants to go elk hunting. It's like, ask any woman in the world. It's like, how sweet is that? Like, oh, he just like does this nice stuff for me because he wants to go elk hunting. It's like, I'm sure they'd be like, yeah, like I'll take it, but I would prefer it if he just did this nice stuff for me because he loves me. You know what I mean? And yeah. And I, and I know that sound, we're on a freaking elk hunting podcast and we're talking about our feelings here, but it's like, but that, I think that's kind of what, what my pursuit of elk hunting and like this massively selfish hobby has done for me is it's like made me realize like well crap if i want to do all this nice stuff for myself i've got to figure out how to like i've got a lot of work to do on how i'm going to be better for my family like this is like some of the most untalked about stuff i wouldn't say it's like the psychology of having a partner i wouldn't say it's the psychology of the human and getting the reward uh there's elements to all that but like your last sentence in your email like sums it up. It's like, in the end, you can talk about tactics and fitness all you want, which is awesome. But until people can get the green light from their spouse and their children for more hunting days, they don't get to use all the fitness and skill that like they have accrued. So I couldn't agree more. So you have to kind of dig into the beginning of every podcast, although I haven't been running that lately. But I would say that faith, then family, then fitness would be the top three, you know, not money, not 
time, not career, not, you know, climb the ladder, corporate ladder. None of that shit matters, really, if you don't have faith, in my opinion, like none of it. And none of it really matters if you have a broken home or a broken relationship with your wife and children. And I definitely would be lying if I said I didn't run that risk being gone as much as I am. And then when I'm home, it's really hard for me to be present because, and I'm just being completely honest to, you know, per usual, I think, but like I've, some guys message me every day or make a comment on some platform, like, what do you do for a living? Which is their way of saying like, like I look through that and I see what they're really asking is like, how do you get to do all this cool stuff? Like, or how do you get all this free stuff? First and foremost, Andy, ain't nothing free, okay? If a company sends me product, they're expecting exposure. And that's a conversation I need to have with them that, hey, your products don't put food on the table for me and my family, first and foremost. Your products don't pay me all the time it takes to film, edit, produce, and publish. Gear gear is not a priority to mine. Like, I could hunt in blue jeans and tennis shoes and get stuff killed. What I do for a living is I make a podcast once a week. You can't just go week to week and be like, oh, I need to, I need to do a podcast this week. Like that involves, we scheduled this podcast a month ago. So coordinating schedules with a guest, finding the right guest who wants to talk about things that you're interested in and your audience, most importantly, is interested in check. And then we got to like, who's going to edit this podcast? Who's going to record some of the ads and get them in there and not make it too ad rich and then getting it on the platform and scheduling it and then letting everyone know that a podcast is out or making a YouTube video. YouTube video is so surgical with, you have to come up with a title and a thumbnail almost first. And then you got to make a really good compelling video. And I'll be honest, man, I make a lot of videos that are just, I think they're awesome. And then I publish them and they, they don't do well. Or I make a, a half-assed video and I'm like, this one's going to suck and it crushes. And so it is what it is. And what all that is to say is like, what do I do for a living? I, I've distilled it down to, I make content for a living and it's, uh, it's a job where I don't really clock out ever. And so I run the risk of not being present at home. And when I was gone hunting for my all of September, I'm not hunting Andy 24 hours a day, 365. I literally am, uh, when it's dark, I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking about what I could do better as a husband, what I could do better as a man of faith, what I could do better as a dad. And, and it's pretty glaring when you're by yourself in a little tent on the side of a mountain waiting for the sun to get up, you know? So we have to talk about how hunting is, provides clarity. What's your thoughts, Andy, if you come home and you plug right back into being a douche, as you used that term earlier in the pod, and there's no difference in your behavior, there's no gratitude or appreciation, there's no actions that have changed, you plug right back in, absolutely there's going to be animosity and resentment towards how much you hunt. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. Um, glad you brought that up. So it's like, I, I say dudes, because again, I, I recognize that there are female hunters out there, but I'm just for the masses as dudes, like we, our logic goes like this, like <clears throat> for, for me specifically, it's like, well, Hey, like, you know, I do this, like I do this for our family. And like, so I get this, it's like, or I, I went hunting, so I'm going to do this for you. And it's like, we, we make the trade like for our spouse. We're like, Hey, well, I went hunting for you or I went hunting for me. Now I'm going to do this for you. Like, aren't you happy? Like, you know, and then we're like shocked when they're not, they're like, well, no, that's like, I'm still feeling kind of like screwed by the the way that you are handling this situation. You know what I mean? Like, and we're like shocked (laughs) because we thought we could like, to some degree, almost like negotiate on behalf of our spouse and that they'd be stoked about it. And it's like, what this one thing that's come to me recently is like, uh, my wife recently was like, and, um, she's like, dude, I, she's like, I hate the way you roll your eyes at me when you, when I ask you to like, it's a, you know, it's a birthday party. I've gone to Walmart like twice to grab another balloon arch 
for like my six-year-old's birthday party and I'm going again because we forgot the cupcakes or whatever. And so like after the second time, I, I, so I, so I roll, so I roll my eyes, right. Which is like rolling your eyes is like a, a super dick thing to do. It's like super condescending. It's not polite. She's like, I look I, like, you got to stop rolling your eyes at me, dude. Like, and, and I, it clicked. I was like, I bet you that my wife, like what it, cause I probably over the course of the year, I probably roll my eyes a lot, like way too much. And it clicked. I was like, Oh, she probably like cares more about me being like a kind person and not rolling my eyes than she does about me spending like three days in the camper with my kids to take off. She'd rather have more work to do at home and less eye rolls than she would like, just like strictly more time off. So my point is, is like, it clicked to me. I was like, I was like, Oh, like I bet you if I roll my eyes less and I'm like less of a jerk throughout the year during like normal marital conversations, I bet you that the elk hunting days conversation will go a lot smoother for me. And, and it's like, and it clicked. I was like, Oh, I used to think it's like, well, I'll take a day. I'll give you a day. It's like, no, how about, I'll just start being like a better person. And, and I think that my wife's been way more grateful for that, that kind of effort almost even than I have than she has for taking the kids camping or whatever. <laughs> so I think the point is, is you can't go out hunting for a month every September and then just be a piece of crap the rest of the year. I think, I think that uh, lots of, there's lots of wives out there that would be like, man, if my husband was just like super considerate, super nice, super present all year long that I would be, I would just be super happy for him to do what he wants to do for a month. The problem happens when you leave for a month and then you're a piece of crap for the rest of the year. Like I think that's where the real contention happens. Yeah. So let's, let's help our friends out with like actionable steps they can take to show, not tell that they're going to make some adjustments because they did come back from hunting with a little more clarity. Like, like my wife's love language is so important to know. And I didn't always know it. And it's definitely silly, but it's not. It's like words of affirmation. She needs to hear it, that she's doing a good job. She needs to hear that I recognize what she did while I was gone. I made a joke on Cam's podcast about how like the second I get home, I'm on the clock to see what, what did she do to our house? Like what thing did she, like it could be literally a flower bed or it could be like, I always make the shiplap jokes, but it literally could be like, what did she do? Notice it, praise her immediately. One love language should be talking because I just have to sit on a couch and talk. Like that's all she, like if I do that for 30 minutes um, without my phone and just pay attention to what she's got to say. Our relationship is pretty smooth sailing. You know what I mean? Um, right. And she puts up with me, man. I'm like one of the most intense guys. Can't turn it off. It's a strength. It's a weakness. So just communication and, and, and understanding what their needs are so important. And I'm not doing it just so I can have more days off. I'm, I'm doing it because I want my family to be, I want it to work. I want it, I don't want to be a single dad. Right. You know what I mean? I don't have a fear of that. I just, it's really easy to not be present in this day and age. We have distractions everywhere. Plus a lot of the dads are the breadwinners. And so their number one focus is creating income and providing a, a way of life for their family. Right. Right. My wife could care less if we were rich or poor. And I promise you that it, that's one beautiful thing about Alicia is like, she's just not, she's just not a money chaser. She's not interested in things. She's way more interested in like experience and quality time and just living simply, which is so hard to do. Right. What's your wife's love language? Well, um, can I, I'm going to sort of pick at something you just said. So sure. you said, you said, what are some actionable items we can do when we get home to show our wife appreciation? And um, I'm just like, no, I, I would, I'd do that backwards. I'd be like, what can I do for the first eight months of the year 
so that my wife does not resent me walking out the door. Rather than saying, all right, I got what I wanted. Like, now let's give you what you want. It's like, I try to do it backwards. I try to like, we talked about earlier, like the, the, pre, the prepaid hunting days, you know? And I just think, yeah, I think it's all about just doing it earlier in the year. Like start in January. Don't start in October or November when you're done hunting. I, um, that's not an action item, but I do think it's important to, you know, get ahead of it. Don't get, don't always be in the hole like and digging yourself out it's like you know it's possible to get ahead of this kind of stuff <laughs> sorry you asked about my wife's love language is that what you just, I love that it you just said? yeah but you're right man you got to reverse engineer for sure because but it, the the cadence of this pod is pretty much post hunting season so a lot of guys probably didn't weren't preempt well, they weren't preemptive but maybe they can be next year i know i certainly am going to focus more on that so yeah but understanding your wife's love language or what are some things that you do to like help connect with her? Yeah. And I would, and I would just say, Oh, for me. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that like the, the days we talked about, but in our way I give her freedom, but I'd say connecting. It's like, you know, she, she literally plants like 5 billion flowers in our backyard every year. And, um, there's always like a new box that she wants done or like, there's like a, maybe there's like a grow box that's right here, but she wants it moved over here this year. Or it's like, it's like six inches out of place or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I think she's used to me being like, are you kidding me? It is six inches out of place. Like this is going to take me like eight hours of work to move this thing six inches. And it's not even going to make a difference. That's the old, old Andy would be like kind of a jerk that way or for me, it's not even being a jerk. It's just like being practical. But now yeah. I think the, w- the way I speak their love language is I'm just like, look, this is your obsession. <laughs> and like, I spend hours and hours tuning my bow, even though she's like, are you kidding me? Like you're, you're shooting the target every time. Do you really need to spend more time out there shooting? And I'm like, yeah, well, it's not dialed in yet. And it's like, well, she's got her versions of that too. That like, rather than rolling my eyes at what I think is silly that she's into, I'm just like, nope, this is her version of tuning a bow, you know? And like, this is her version of sighting it in. And I don't care if I have to move it six inches and it's going to take me eight hours. That's what I'm going to do because I'm trying not to be a selfish piece of crap, you know? So, I mean, I, and you could apply that a thousand ways, you know? It's like just kind of doing stuff that, historically would have broken my brain but like i say it started out my motivation started out to get more hunting days it was like the nicer i am i've noticed the more i get to go hunting right but now it's just turned into like this is just the person i want to be and i'm grateful for elk hunting for kind of like giving me that motivation to work on some of that stuff that i should have been doing anyways that makes sense. yeah that's that's super powerful, man. Um, do you think that with your children, and I need to know the spread on their ages, I'll just give you a couple observations. Like my son is seven, my daughter's nine. They have a pretty good idea what I do for work. They have a pretty good idea that dad hunts a lot and they don't show a lot of desire to like run out, go check a trail cam. Like I have to drag them. And then when I finally get them out, they're, they're pretty much, they love it. Like my son didn't want to go with me. I was going to set a tree stand up and put a couple cams out. And he was like, I'm not, I'd rather go with mom and watch, watch Avery play soccer at practice. And I'm like, hell no, dude, you're coming with me, man, where I'm going, I'm going in the mountains. Like there's going to be a four wheeler involved and we're going to see cool stuff. And so he didn't want to go and his mom made him, And then he had a freaking rad time, dude. Like he totally loved every second of it. So Uh, I say all that is like, I, there's no like real guide of how to be a parent. And there's not a guide to be like, how to ensure your kids like what you like. No, Um, I know they watch every move I make to my detriment. But the, the thing that I'm trying to navigate is like not applying too much pressure to do, to be into what I'm into and then taking full advantage when they show any little bit of interest, like dad, I want a bow done. I got him a bow, you know, Hey dad, I want to go shoot my bow. I was, I literally am pretty good at just dropping everything and watching him shoot his bow. So 
things like that. What are you doing with your kids? Kind of like, I know the camping trips, the crawdad fishing. I love all that stuff. Are any of your kids showing interest to going with you? And at what some point, I'm hoping that my Octobers are dedicated to taking them hunting on, on all those youth seasons that are out West. What's your spread of kids and what's your plan? So I've got the you know five kids. Oldest one is nine, which has people just like rolling their eyes. But um, uh, yeah, oldest one's nine. He's a boy and he's way into hunting. And the rest of them are girls. So I have a two-year-old daughter, a four-year-old daughter, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And then, the, you know, the nine-year-old boy. And they're all, they all love outdoor stuff. Time will tell if they're interested in the, the, if the girls are interested in the hunting, but my boy, oh yeah, he's obsessed. Like he wears camo to school every day. He has his own bow. He has two bows actually. He loves shooting with me. He's always like quizzing me like, dad, what tags do you have? What tags? He knows the names of like all the ridges that I hunt. He's like hiked up the ridges with me. You know, oh, last, year, last, last year as an eight year old, he hiked up like we did a thousand vertical feet together, which like, but it was like a steep vertical feet, like, like really steep. And I was just so proud of him. And it's just like, gets me stoked for, you know, future with that kid. But like I say, I mean, his interests might change, who knows, but. No, that's true. And man, my son's definitely not on that level and it's fine. It is what it is type of thing. Um, and we'll just see as they get older. I mean, for me, when I was my son's age, my dad, I like would just, I just, he was going hunting and I would literally beg to go and i don't know why but i just wanted to go and anytime he would take me i was like a pig and slop man i was just i just couldn't get enough and then there was a couple times where we got to do like some excursion hunts where like we took the camper that fit on the back of his old piece of crap truck and i just thought that was the coolest thing ever like being in the mountains with my dad and we had a couple really cool encounters where i got to see him shoot a deer or we'd have a uh, a deer walk up while we're sitting again. He was a rifle hunter and sitting against a tree. I remember a deer coming in so like five, 10 yards and I was shaking cause I was so excited and I couldn't figure out why. And just all those little seeds flourished. And so when I was 10, I was like, I'm taking hunter safety. Like I need to hunt. And my dad's like, you're pretty young. I don't know. And I'm like, no, man, I, I, it was a good thing. Cause I was obsessed and I just ate a, ate it up, got my hunter safety and you know, Christmas, you get your first gun. It's a 30-30 lever action and you're hunting. It's pretty much awesome. And then I don't know about your story, but for me, like hunting, I kind of grew up hunting, but dude, I know you didn't start till you were 30. I didn't care about hunting the second I like went into junior high. I became obsessed with sports and sports are in the fall. And it was any spare time working on sports until I graduated high school. And then and only then when I hung up my cleats, I was like, oh yeah, hunting is really cool. I want to get back into it. And that's kind of how it started for me. So it will be interesting to see our kids' journeys. Well, I want to wrap this podcast up, Andy. What? Let's do your final parting advice. Summarize. The name of this podcast is going to be Prepaid Hunting Days. I wrote that down from your email. I still think it's, I think it's relevant to what we're discussing today. Let's have you kind of your final thoughts. I just think my final thoughts is like, if, if I'm a random listener of this, I'm just thinking like, dude, we just talked about like marriage and feelings, you know, on a freaking hunting podcast. And I'm just like, I just think if you can't, okay. Elk hunters are just like, inc- we're incredible problem solvers, right? Like, it's like, we, we go out there and we're like, we're like, oh, like, you know, the elk are two miles away. Like, what am I going to do about that? It's like, uh, well, you know, we're going to hike and we're going to like bust our butts. It's like, and we, and we worked out all year to be able to be in a position where we could make that two mile trek to those elk. Right. And we're like, well, oh, and we're going to get the wind right. And we're going to use like our, you know, we've, we've prepared, we've got our, our like $400 boots and we've got our like super expensive camo. And we've been spending all year, like on our, on our hunting stuff. Right. And it's like, we are incredible problem solvers. We're going to get the wind right. We're going to do all this stuff to make sure that, um, you know, the thousands of dollars and the hours and hours of preparation that we did for our hunting selves to be in a position to make this stock happen, right? And then I think at home, we're just like super crap. I think 
in general, we're pretty crappy problem solvers at home. It's like, man, can you imagine if you used just some of the problem solving that you use while out hunting? You're like, you're like, when we're out in the mountains, we don't take no for an answer. It's like, I don't care that they're two miles away. I'm going to figure out how to get there. And I don't care if the wind is blowing in the wrong direction. I'm going to hike in a circle to get to them, right? Like I'm going to go way out of my way to get to them. And then at home, it's kind of like, you know, we're like, oh, well, my wife's pissed that I go hunting. Well, I don't know what to do about it. It's like, well, I think it's so hard because every family's different. Every marriage is different. But it's like, I think that we need to use some of that same problem solving that genius that we have when we're out hunting and that like won't quit, won't take no for an answer. It's like, well, how about use some of that and like figure out how to be, figure out how to be a good dad, figure out how to be a good husband and, and then see how that adds to your, see how that adds to your, your hunting days and your hunting enjoyment. Because it's, it's one thing for your wife to like, you know, roller as you walk out the door and it's a whole nother thing for you to be in a position with your family and your spouse where they're just super happy for your leave because you've been so good to them all year and it's completely i think everybody knows what it feels like to be out there like hunting and having a good time and then just knowing that you've got like kind of a begrudging family member at home you know what i mean and i just think yes. it's all about that if, if we just we need to we need to be better about I, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to like other dudes' wives. They'll be venting to me like, "Oh, my husband's out hunting again, and when he gets home, he's just gonna sleep for a week because he's tired." And you know, or, or whatever it is, it's like I, I just think it's like we're smarter than that. Like, use that same problem solving that you use to become an incredible hunter, to become an incredible family person. Your hunting days go up, and. Uh, and then I just think your overall life improves. It does. Well said. Guys, this was not a podcast that taught you any tactics yet. This is the podcast that taught you all the tactics you need to know <laughs> to be able to do this and have a trajectory. And uh, if, we, if we're honest, hunting can be one of the most selfish pursuits and it can be perceived that way if you're not careful. So that's why we're talking about this stuff today. I find and, it very and, just really, and just really quick, it's like we've talked about all these touchy-feely things. But guess what? If you figure out this touchy-feely stuff, it's just like you will get more days out there. You will be happier and you will kill more animals. So it's like <laughs> I just think it's like, man, I think it's like, you know, babes and bosses, right? It's like if you can figure out that stuff, you will be – way more deadly and i just think it's like it's just a way i know it's corny but it's like i just think it could your your relationship you have with your family figuring out could could be way more important to you than your thousand dollar camo like figure out your family relationships and you'll your family relationships will help you kill more elk than your you know every hunting toy you have you know so anyways i'll stop my soapbox boom mic drop Andy, where can people find you? Are you on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that? No, dude, I deleted all of it because it was a time waster. And it was I deleted it because I wanted to be more present at home. So I don't have anything. So you can't follow me. And I'm fine with that. That's great. And I wish I could do the same. Guys, thank you for listening. Send us, reach out, comment, and give us a review. And share this with a buddy who needs to hear this. I think it's a powerful message. And I'm, I really appreciate that Andy took the time out of his day to share his thoughts. I thought there was a lot of wisdom. And I hope that you heed it and um, apply it. Separations in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Kufaru International, now out of Wyoming, made in America, arguably the best frame on the market in my opinion, definitely an array of bags to run on the duplex light frame, check out the bedlam, that's what I used in 2023. Check out the Hoodlum. That's what I ran in 22. They have day packs. They have expedition packs. They have hip quivers, chest bino rigs, the whole gamut. And it's made in America. My buddy Aaron Snyder runs the deal. It's a great team, great customer service. Head over to Kufara International and do your shopping. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Today's podcast is brought to you by Baku e-bikes out of Salt Lake City. I run the Mule. It's a thousand watt bike. 
that can be a class one, two, or three. Use them where legal. I use mine mostly for spring bear hunting on logging roads. It's like silent and stealthy, and the battery life is awesome. You can pedal, also get a backup battery or a trailer. I recommend both. You can haul your animals out. They're not invasive. They don't create exhaust. They're quiet. The kids can use them. I use mine all the time around the house. Head over to Baku. You can use the discount code ELKSHAPE to take $300 off.